and welcome to a, another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozell and myself, Sonny, them sit at the crossroads of faith and pop culture and discuss the issues. And Dan, every once in a while, it's a good idea for us to check ourselves to kind of see if we are leading the life that we should be in Christ, or if maybe we've gone off course and we're astray, maybe a golf terminology, maybe we're in the rough and not on the fairway. And so it leads me to an article that you wrote on the Christian Post. Are you a leaking Christian? Talking about leaky vessels. Um, obviously, if we are leaking, what are we leaking? What is escaping from us? Is it good? Is it bad? And so I thought maybe we could just start there with uh, the title of the piece that you wrote. Are you a leaking Christian? And when it comes to the word leaking, what is it that you mean? Well, really what I'm getting at there, Son, is the idea that as the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, when we trust Christ as Savior, when we receive Jesus, um, that it's not a situation whereby we are just constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a, a phrase the New Testament uses. In fact, in Ephesians, Christians are instructed to be filled with the Spirit, uh, and and the tense of the verb there literally means to keep on being filled, so that it's not a, a one-time act or action of God, but it is intended to be a continual action. And the idea that we are, are leaky vessels is something I probably first picked up from um, reading the evangelist D.L. Moody. And, and he had said years ago that um, we are leaky vessels and we have to keep under the tap all the time. Um, so this idea that Christians leak, uh, as it were, simply just means that there are things that come into our life that cause uh, the fullness of the Spirit to be diminished in our hearts. Uh, and, 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 and one of the biggest ones is just deliberate sin on our part. You know, if, if we choose to engage in uh, words or thoughts or behavior that uh, are ungodly, that are sinful, that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's going to offend the Holy Spirit. And, and so in Ephesians, uh, that's why it says, do not grieve, uh, do not grieve the, the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> so. Um, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we we leak, we uh, we we lose some of that 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 joy and that peace and that love that that God puts in our heart, and and that happens uh, as a result of our of our choices. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't um, get back to that place again as as we confess our sins to the Lord. Hopefully, we keep very short accounts with the Lord. We don't let it linger. We don't. Um, you know, go with unconfessed sin, you know, the, the, the sooner we confess it to God and put it behind us, um, the sooner we're going to be able to get back to that place of, of being full of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's when the fruit of the Holy Spirit then really um, kicks back in, in, in a big way. You know, uh, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those things, that, those are the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the flesh, or the fruit of the sinful nature, uh, is pretty much the opposite of those things. So, 
Um, we, we want to stay under the fountain. And uh, the fact that we leak um, simply means that we, we, we at times do things on that, um, that, that, that cause us to um, take a step back. Uh, in our in our walk with the Lord that day, and when and, and by taking a step back, we're also then um, decreasing the the amount of um, really the Holy Spirit's influence in our life. You know, somebody once said it, it, it's not necessarily so much you getting more of the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit getting more of you, and that's a good way to look at it, be, be, because. When there are things in our heart, our mind, our life that are not uh, in sync with the Holy Spirit, not under the control of the Holy Spirit, then that's an area where he needs to get more control of us. Um, you know, somebody, uh, in fact, this might have been Moody again, who said, we have to be emptied before we can be filled. That's another great thought. Um, sometimes we have things in the way of being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, um, different attitudes or uh, different things that we're involved with, and we need to renounce sin, confess sin, turn from sin. Um, but we have to be emptied. And if our if our bucket, as it were, if our soul is already filled with the world, uh, a love for the world or a love for sin, uh, whatever the case might be, then um, there's not room there for the Holy Spirit to fill us because we've already made our choice. Uh, but if we if we decide that we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then we'll need to renounce those things that are sinful. Um, and then ask the Lord not only to forgive us uh, with the blood of Jesus, but then also to fill us <clears throat> with the Holy Spirit. And, and that really is how the Christian life uh, is, is intended to function. If anybody's been in the church for a while and, and, and been exposed to different things in the church, um, people might become familiar with, you know, when you talk about being filled with the Spirit, Maybe confuse that with being slain in the spirit, you know, where you have these churches where the pastor's up there, you know, waving his hand and the parishioners are being knocked out because this, you know, force is pushing them over and they're getting, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, that's not what you're talking about. It's uh, a different type of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a genuine feeling of the Holy Spirit that enters into our hearts once we accept Jesus and I want to just play something from Billy Graham, if I may, for you, and then just kind of, you know, bounce off of that. Because, again, when you're dealing with the religion side of some of the conversations, Dan, that we have, people, when they put on their religious hat, they look at it from, you know, corporate church perspectives a lot of times, and they don't realize that it comes down to the heart. And so here's Billy Graham talking about the Holy Spirit and referring to what it does to the heart. I want to ask you tonight as a believer, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You can be filled, not through some emotional ecstasy. You can be filled by a simple act of faith. How did you receive Christ? You received him simply by faith. All right, you're filled the same way. You can say, I am filled by the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit by faith. You see, the moment you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. And as you surrender everything that he points out that's wrong in your life, then he fills you and you're filled and you produce fruit. Now, every Christian has the gifts of the Spirit. 
You have a gift. I don't care who you are and how lowly a Christian you are. You have a gift. And you ought to be utilizing that gift in the body of Christ. So when he talks about being filled with the Spirit in our heart and then producing fruit, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, faithfulness, self-control. When our heart is filled with the Holy Spirit as a Christian, those things are going to come out. People are going to see the fruits come out because of the Spirit being in us, and they're going to actually be able to see that, the way we deal with life, the way we deal with people, the way we deal with the, the daily struggles of life and everything else that goes on, the good, the bad, the ugly. If we're leaky vessels and we start to produce rotten fruit, maybe we're not so loving, maybe our joy is gone, maybe we don't have as much peace and so on, then maybe we're leaking too much and we need to check ourselves because if the Holy Spirit is within us, and we're producing good food. And maybe that's a way that we can kind of check to see just how leaky we are or if we're doing okay is by the fruits that we are producing. I think that's a great point, Son. You know, I think about some things that Jesus said. Um, you know, one of the things he said is out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. So, um, you know, um, the fullness of the spirit many times gets expressed by, by what we're saying, what we're talking about. Um, you know, uh, whether it's something that is noble and, and uh, you know, uh, pleasing to the Lord or not. Um, you know, I, I, I think about uh, something else the Lord said, um, you know, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Uh, so here again, just like what you're saying, um, a way to kind of check ourselves would be, hey, you know, um, check the fruit that, that's being produced. Is it of the flesh or of the spirit? Um, you know, and, and if it's of the spirit, then it's gonna, it's going to be those things that, um, that are talked about in scripture that, that are the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And, um, you know, these, these verses that, that talk about fruit, uh, you know, are very important. Um, there, there's the passage where the Lord said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Here again, uh, you know, the, the life will be an evidence uh, of, of whether or not um, the, the, you know, the, the person is uh, walking with Christ and, and living for Christ. Um, you'll be able to see it reflected uh, in their life and hopefully in our lives. Uh, you know, if we are... Um, you know, professing to know Christ as Savior, well, then certainly there's going to be good fruit in our life. Uh, that doesn't mean there won't ever be, um, you know, bad fruit, but but that's not the direction we're aiming in or the direction that God has, has, has uh, placed us in. We're aiming for what is righteous and noble, and, and many times we will hit the mark, um, and that'll be the Lord doing it through us and in us, and we can't take credit for that. That's God's work, uh, who works in us to will and to act according to his, uh, you know, good pleasure. But, um, it is, it is an intentional, uh, focus kind of, um, uh, mentality that we have, you know, we want to bear fruit for the Lord. And, and one of the key verses I think on this son is in Titus, where it says the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And I think what we find as, as Christians is that while we cannot produce the fruit ourselves, 
We can say no by God's grace. We can say no to the bad stuff. And if we say no to the bad stuff, um, the Lord is going to keep producing the good stuff in us. But that probably more than anything else I would say would be our role. Again, it's only the Lord helping us to do it. But our role is to say no to those attitudes, those thoughts, that behavior that is of the flesh and not of the spirit. Uh, If we start to develop a a negative attitude about someone, we need to just renounce that and and pray for that person and and ask the Lord to change our heart. But we could give many examples of, of, of saying no to the flesh. And, and uh, when we do, um, then it just seems like the fruit of the spirit just continues to flow and grow um, within us because uh, the Lord has given us such a powerful um, blessing in, in forgiveness and then in his presence that indwells us. So um, the Lord's going to, in that sense, just kind of ooze out of us um, if we just stay out of the way. Um, and when we don't stay out of the way, then that goes back to what we started with today. Then we leak um, and we don't live a spirit filled life. And uh, we're not really of, of much use to anyone in that situation. So it is very critical. Uh, that by God's grace, we learn to say no to the bad stuff, the thoughts, the words, the, the behavior um, that uh, the Lord says is off limits for us as his children. You know, when uh, the Apostle Paul gave the instructions to the believers, you know, do not be drunk on wine because it leads to debauchery. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can kind of replace with drunk on wine. Maybe it's drunk with power or drunk with greed or drunk with envy. You know, it could be any number of things that we can become obsessed with that takes and fills up our heart that replaces the Holy Spirit, maybe puts them up in a, in a cupboard somewhere, you know, and just sticks them in the corner or something, a broom closet of our heart, whatever it is, because we're obsessed with these other things. We're focused on these things. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, the overflow of the mouth. If our heart is consumed with something, then our thoughts are going to be consumed with it. And then our actions are going to be kind of dictated by those thoughts. And that's where the, the works, not the works that we usually talk about, but the, the fruits that are being born out, love, joy, peace, patience, that's where the end product comes. And so we also have to be careful because we can easily get deceived in, in these little things that we don't think are going to affect us, and sometimes they will. And then we can start to see, or others might start to see. And maybe that's why it's important to also have surround us or get people that we can be accountable to to kind of be like a checks and balance because sometimes we can't determine ourselves just how leaky we are. You know, maybe we're, we think we're not leaking at all, but yet, out of the bottom of the bucket. It's not coming out the side where we can't see it, but maybe out of the bottom of the bucket, you know, we're leaking a lot. But um, but that's the other thing. It's the heart. It comes back to the heart when we're talking about these things because what is on the heart is going to be a big part of who we are. And I know when it says drunk with wine, a lot of people that I've had conversations with over the years you know, they always just refer to it as just that, you know, the, the liquid beverage. But you can replace that with a number of things and still have the same result. It might not lead to the debauchery of what we think you know, a drunk person might have, but it's going to lead to something away from Christ, which then again takes us off the path of the straight and narrow with eternity in heaven and puts our focus onto the things of this world. 
Yeah, you're just some excellent points there, Son, uh, that I kind of want to follow up on. You know, um, what, one of the points you made is just the importance of us, you know, surrounding ourselves with people who can help us because, you know, sometimes uh, we, we're, we're too close to the situation uh, or we're, we're, we're too biased, you know, in favor of, of giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt. And, and we don't see within our own heart, within our own life, with our own behavior, something that maybe somebody else clearly sees. You know, maybe it's our spouse or a, uh, a Christian friend, someone else, uh, a coworker, you know, whoever it might be, a relative. But sometimes they can see it better than we can. And if we isolate ourselves, if we try to, to kind of live uh, as a Lone Ranger Christian, we're going to miss out on um, what the body of Christ is intended to do and to be. And that is um, just what you said, Son, there to kind of help help us all um, be accountable to one another. I think about the passage in the Bible that says, uh, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. And um, that that is something that we all at times need. Uh, we need to be restored gently. Uh, you know, I think about Proverbs 27, 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. So these are verses that talk about helping a, a brother or sister in Christ when they're, uh, when they're going astray or when they need um, to kind of have the reins pulled in a little bit, need to be told, hey, you know, that's not cool what you're doing. That's not pleasing to the Lord. That's not, uh, you know, you need to change that. Um, and, and of course, we can do it more tactfully than I just said it, but um, we want to do it gently. Uh, that's what scripture says, you know, because it, it, we have to be very careful that we don't um, let it, you know, blow up uh, in our face and, and turn into some big, uh, you know, controversy or conflict that um, is not needed. What, what we need to do at times is just uh, bring correction to someone. And, uh, and, and like I say, we at times also uh, need to have that correction uh, brought to us as well. So, um, you know, these are, these are just, some of the uh, some of the ways that we, uh, by God's grace, stay filled with the Spirit um, by listening to others, listening to God in His Word, um, seeking to say uh, no to to sin and to those things that uh, that, that, that grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, th- this is all part of it. You know, uh, the other thing that you said that I wanted to touch on, Son, is is you said that you know um, sometimes. It's not uh, maybe a person being drunk on wine or being drunk on power or, or, or drunk on something else of the world that's not, you know, not godly and not going to help our life of discipleship. And I think that's a very good point as well, that there are a lot of things that can get in the way um, of, of, of living a spirit-filled life. Um, and, and, and so um, it's like a garden that we need to maintain, you know, every day. Uh, you know, speaking of a garden, it's interesting how in the Garden of Eden, uh, before they fell into sin, Adam and Eve had all sorts of options, all sorts of trees they could eat from, uh, but not, not, the, not the tree there in the middle of the garden. So in that sense, it seems like the restrictions were, were very few, or down to one maybe, and, and the opportunities were many. Well, now after they have fallen into sin, isn't it interesting? That it, it seems like in some, sometimes it's almost like it's been reversed. Like the opportunities and options for sin are so many. And, and, and the way to avoid them is so narrow. It's a narrow road, a narrow path, uh, one way. Um, just as there's only one way of salvation, 
Um, there's really only one way to please the Lord, and that's to live a godly life then as, as one of his children. But it's kind of interesting how the script has flipped now uh, from the Garden of Eden. Now, of course, when we get to heaven one day, there will be no sin, no temptation, no um, nothing of the flesh. Uh, it'll just be perfection. But we live in a world now where we're battling against the world, uh, uh, our, our, our sinful temptation, the devil uh, is, is active. Um, the world, the devil, and the flesh, as it's often described, you know, are, are the biggest sources of temptation. But um, God, God is there to help us. And when we fall short, uh, he'll help us to, um, you know, get back up and, and continue on with Christ as our Savior. But we just have to realize that it does take a, a disciplined approach. That's what a, a disciple is a, is a disciplined follower uh, of Christ. And um, so we're, we're growing in that. None of us have arrived or reached some perfect condition or state. Only in heaven will we be perfect. But, uh, but we are called to, um, to please the Lord. Uh, and that's what the Bible says. Find out what pleases the Lord. Um, uh, the Bible says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. So uh, here again, that's a little a different image than like the leaking in the water. Uh, that, the fire image is also, of course, very biblical. You know, when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what came to rest on them but these tongues of fire? And, 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 and they were baptized with uh, the Holy Spirit and with fire. And, and this fire gave them power to witness, uh, power to live for the Lord, um, power just to, just to live a Christian life. So um, we would be in a lot of trouble if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, um, just like we'd be in a lot of trouble if we didn't have Jesus as our Savior. I mean, we would, we would have no hope, uh, no way of rescue. And, and so we have so much to be thankful for, Son. And um, one of the things that we, we can do, though, as Christians, is help one another along this, this path of discipleship by speaking words, sometimes of correction, uh, many times, though, of encouragement, you know, praying with and for one another uh, so that we do, you know, seek to, to follow Christ each and every day uh, as his children. You know, Dan, it's interesting that we talk here about fire and water because the combination of the two are really kind of interesting in the relationship. So first off, you think about the fire and the water. Well, water, if we're leaking too much, you know, water can extinguish fire and put out the fire. Or if the fire is burning right, then it could be used to warm the water that we use maybe like in a house, you know, you got the hot water heater for a warm shower. Maybe you can warm the, the food on the stove, you know, with your uh, the bubbling of the water. You boil water and you can create food. So there really has to be the right combination to make it work because if we leak too much, we're going to extinguish that fire and it's going to be gone. And that's going to be something that's going to affect us negatively. But yet if we have the fire going it can create life, you know, food, sustenance, things that are going to help us. And so, I don't know, I just thought it was kind of interesting that when you take a look at those two, the relationships can be extreme. And then, of course, if you have too much fire, you know, that could be all-consuming and destroy everything else, too. So it's just kind of interesting that just in, you know, generally speaking, when you take a look at the relationship between fire and water, that there really has to be a balance, 
And, um, and I think that balance really comes from, you know, for us, if I want to put it into a practical perspective, you know, it talks about being in the world, but not of it. We can't hide in the closet and wait for the rapture to come. You know, we're supposed to go out and preach the gospel and baptize the great commission. You know, we're supposed to share the gospel message. We're supposed to be witnesses. Um, so there is a balance that we must have in order to live this godly life, you know, and, and be a Christ follower. But, um, but I just think that water and that fire analogy is something that we can maybe kind of use as a tangible thing to look at because too much of one thing and not enough of the other, you're going to get something put out, whether it's the fires consuming the, you know, the objects or whatever, or the water putting out the fire. But if we have that right balance, you have life going. And that's the thing that, uh, for me anyways, in this conversation, just that visual picture of having the right combination of the two, you can really start then producing good things. Yeah, I think that's right on, Son. And and as you were sharing that, I, I also thought of like another example to go right along with your point. Uh, I thought of like a fireplace and how you know, here as we're coming into winter and many people will be, you know, having, having fires in their home, in the fireplace, you know, you, you add logs to the fire to keep it going. Um, you do things to stoke the fire. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't go and throw a cup of water, uh, in your fireplace unless of course you were, you know, trying to put out the fire and most people don't even, you know, of course do it that way. They just let it die out. But, um, you know, you, you have things that you can do to really, get that fire going and keep it going. And the same is true in the Christian life. Um, there are things we can do to, um, to keep, uh, the fire going. Uh, and again, I think a lot of it is just uh, by saying no to the bad stuff. You know, um, God is the author of the fire. God will keep it going. Um, our job is to say no to the bad stuff. Um, you know, do not put out the spirit's fire. It doesn't say produce the spirit's fire because we can't do that. Uh, but what we can do is we can be warmed by the spirit's fire, uh, warmed, and now that is, uh, not warned, but warmed, although uh, we can also be warned, uh, you know, uh, if the Holy Spirit is trying to convict us or warn us of something, but we can be warmed, uh, the heat will warm us, and we, we can be filled with that fire. You know, we talk about a person being fired up for Jesus. Well, um, no, sure, that could be, in some cases, just largely emotion, but, but in many cases, it, it, it's deeper than that. It, it, it's the, it's the fire of the Holy spirit, like what they experienced on the day of Pentecost. And ever since then, um, the, the, this fire, this power, uh, that, that comes from the Holy spirit, even as it says in acts one eight, but you will receive power when the Holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So this was really, um, the, the biggest reason the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost to empower believers and, and, and Christians to go out and, and preach the gospel and make disciples, um, this empowering, uh, and remember Peter now, you know, before, uh, our Lord's, uh, crucifixion and resurrection, um, Peter, of course, denied the Lord three times. He was, you know, scared to death, uh, and, and, uh, he had no power as a witness. But after Pentecost, oh my goodness, uh, he went out and the other apostles and, and the world was turned upside down. In, in fact, um, in Acts 4, uh, 13, uh, Peter and John talk about how we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. You know, so they were compelled. They said, we were, you know, they're compelled to speak. And, and that's what 
th- this fire is about. Now, again, I'm going to go back to water because we're, we're jumping back and forth between fire and water. So another way to think about uh, being on fire for the Lord or being filled with this power is to think about an artesian well that, um, that, that flows from underground. And, and, the, 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 and gravity um, pushes, pushes this water then up, out, out from the ground. Uh, it, it just comes gushing forth. You know, compare that to you know, somebody, let's say, that has a pump. They're trying to pump the water out. And you maybe get a drop or two, and that's representative of man trying to produce this water. But but instead, you want this water welling up and 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 flowing out uh, uh, powerfully, and and that's what the Holy Spirit uh, does in us and through us, and that's been happening now for for two thousand years, son, and 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 it continues today, especially when the gospel is going out to a new area. Um, uh, especially when uh, people are are going to share the good news with those who've never heard it before, my goodness, uh, there is tremendous power that God provides. He always has because uh, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is there so that the message will go out and so that people will believe because no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he provides the power to witness. He provides the power to believe. Uh, like I said before, what would we do, you know, without the Holy Spirit? You know, one of the things, too, that we kind of talk about, and it kind of comes up in the article that you wrote on the Christian Post, is that of, like, works. You know, um, it's not quite a correlation, per se, but you wrote about how, you know, the false uh, teachers would come in, and we have to be aware of false doctrine, you know, and that false teachers infiltrated the churches in Galatia, you know, 2000 years ago. Um, so, and we've talked about those too, but there's also, you know, just kind of misinterpreted even, um, doctrine, you know, and that's of works, uh, you know, working your way into heaven. A lot of people that we've talked about, you have to work your way into heaven or there's some sort of works, or even we, we talk about the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, or the fruits that we're bearing, which is basically seen in the things that we do. I mean, some people might consider that works. But I've got a clip here I want to play from Alistair Begg, and he talks about the thief on the cross and um, his experience with Jesus and what might have happened in a a comic way about getting to heaven, and then he brings home the point. So let me play this, and then um, we can uh, maybe bounce off of that. If you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing— Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense, I can't can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you 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 were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, And yet, and yet, you made it. 
You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did you, <laughs> excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. You know, we talk about in Christ alone, and that's the example. You know, the thief hanging on the cross could do absolutely nothing except believe. And Jesus says, or the man on the middle cross says, I can be here. And so oftentimes when we start looking at some of the things that are going on in the world and the things that we are doing, we have to keep remind, uh, reminding ourselves that it's not because of us. It's because of Jesus and what he did dying on the cross for our sins. And um, I think that's just a good reminder that no matter what it is, we can't do anything. It's Christ alone in us that allows us to do things. Yeah, it's definitely Christ alone. Uh, that is so true, son. And, you know, we, uh, by nature, assume that we can do certain things to earn our way. But Scripture is very clear that if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And if a person just stops to think about it, you know, would the Father have sent his only son to endure crucifixion, which was, you know, just the worst, most painful type of, of punishment that, uh, you know, anyone could suffer? Would the Father really have done that? if there was some other way that we could be saved and our sins could be paid for? And of course, the answer is no. That was, that was the only way. Uh, Jesus is the only way. And, and so it's not what we do. It, it's what he did for us. You know, it's been said that um, every other religion is a religion of do. Do this, do that, and, and hope you're going to, you know, be able to get right with God. Uh, Christianity is the only uh, religion of done. Uh, it's what Christ has done for us that has uh, brought us, you know, salvation and, and eternal life and forgiveness. So, um, as Alistair Begg, you know, pointed out, if, we, if we're talking about, hey, I did this or I did that, then we, we, we need to change our thinking because it says in Galatians that all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. And, and that is simply just saying that those who are trying to work their way to heaven um, are lost. They're not, uh, they're not on the road to heaven, even though they assume, in many cases, they assume they are. They assume that their works are, are good enough to, to get them into heaven. But um, it, it won't happen. Um, it, it'll only happen for those who, like the thief on the cross, placed his faith in the Lord. And, boy, he was blessed to get in at the last minute, but he got in. and. You know, that is how it works for everyone, whether they come earlier in life or later in life. 
you can only come through the cross. You can only come through faith in Jesus. And, and that invitation is open. You know, one of the last verses of the Bible says, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And, and so it's exciting to, uh, to see people coming to know the Lord, coming to know his grace. Um, and uh, like Alistair Begg said, we'll be able to one day meet that, uh, that thief. Uh, and, and of course, so many others once we get to heaven. But, but right now, you know, we're trying to reach everyone we can. And, and share this good news with them so that they, too, can place their faith in Christ and, and be given this free gift of eternal life. Yeah, and you know, Dan, really, when you think about it, the only time, or at least one of the more significant times that we hear do this in from, from Jesus is the Last Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. And so on Sundays when we're doing communion, and it's do this in remembrance of me, you know, it's not... It's not a you have to do it type of thing that I'm referring to, but what it is is like even when he says do this, it's remember what I have done for you, and so all you have to do is just accept and believe and nothing else. And so even then we're reminded, and maybe in this culture, this church culture where you know people have gotten to the point where maybe you do communion on Christmas and Easter or maybe for some it's you know once every once in a while whatever it is maybe we need to get back to kind of that reminder that you know whatever we're going to do it's in remembrance of what God did by sending his son to die on the cross to save us from our sins and the only thing we have to do is confess with our mouth believe on our heart and we shall be saved knowing that the only way to heaven is through Jesus and we do this in remembrance of everything that he did for us. Yeah, that's such a good point, Son. And I'll tell you what, I can't say that I've ever really connected it quite that way in my mind. I mean, you know, I've often talked about how, um, you know, the other religions are religions of do, but I've never thought of that point you just made that you're exactly right. Um, The one time where Jesus did say do this, um, in, in one of the most important times that he said that, you know, it, it was a focus on what he did for us. So, um, you know, what, what we could say to, let's say, the person who's determined to try to save themselves, okay, you're, you're determined to do something? Well, do this. You know, celebrate the Lord's Supper. Celebrate the fact that you're forgiven by his grace uh, and by his death for your sins, not by uh, the works that you do. And uh, and in that way, too, it, it's such a meal of, of, of remembrance, a meal of God's grace. And, and it's not something that you're, 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 you know, whereby you're earning anything. Uh, Jesus earned it all at the cross. So I really like that, Son. I think that's a great way to, uh, you know, to think about the word do. You know, Dan, the, the other thing, you know, because when I teach, I teach and um, I'll have conversations with, you know, different students. These are adult students. Uh, college level, you know, and, and it can be different ages. It's not like the 18, 19, 20-year-olds that we normally think of as college students, but these students can be of various ages, various backgrounds, various beliefs. And so a lot of times we will have conversations, like during Ramadan we had a couple of conversations about the different religions, you know, that people uh, believed in and their rituals and the things that they went through, their belief systems and stuff. And whenever I'd kind of just share a little bit about my beliefs and what I would think, you know, compared to, let's say, a Muslim or even Catholics sometimes, you know, uh, it's like they can't fathom the completeness of God. It's like 
they don't have the ability to truly understand that it's nothing about us. You know, they don't really understand that, you know, how can we not do anything and yet God can completely, you know, change our lives. I think about um, uh, Lee Strobel, for example. Okay, he was the guy that went out. Uh, his wife, you know, became a Christian. And then he's like, well, I'm going to, you know, set out and see if this biblical Jesus is is true and see what this is about. And so he starts to do all this investigative stuff because he was an investigative uh, journalist with uh, the newspapers in Chicago. And so he goes out and he's trying to do all this stuff. And eventually he comes to the determination, you know, the understanding that, yes, biblical Jesus is real, and then eventually he becomes a Christian at the age of 29. But then he's quoted as saying, you know, that, you know, God changed my values. He changed my character, my morality, my worldview, my philosophy, my attitudes, my marriage, my parenting, my relationships. I could have never anticipated what God would do, and so I give him all the glory. And so here, a guy that was an atheist he sets out to see if this biblical Jesus exists or not, and he does it through you know scholarly research, talking to experts, talking to scholars, you know manuscripts, you know doing a deep dive into this academia, and it turns out that not only did he discover that Jesus was real, but now he becomes a Christian and realizes that God changes everything, and he could never anticipate that. And in this case, yeah, he did some research, but again. Everything he did, you know, God changed his values. God changed his character, his morality, his worldview. And so when you look at these things that were going on in the world today, you know, I mean, you can look at Palestine and Hamas. You can look at, you know, uh, political things going on at home. You can look at, you know, legal system, whatever it is. If we have a perspective on something or if we're living something and we don't like it, one alternative, if we don't already believe in God, is to turn to God because just like Lee Strobel, just like others, just like you, just like me, he can change everything. And if we start having a perspective through the lens of, you know, the eyes of Jesus, then we're going to start to see the world completely different than if we continue to look at the world through the lens of a worldly view, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Son, and, and that's uh, exactly what happened with Lee Strobel and, and many others who have, have uh, approached the evidence um, eventually with an open mind, not that he maybe had an open mind uh, to begin with, but it was enough uh, to get him uh, researching and looking, and, and the more that he researched the resurrection, the more he came to see that it really did happen, and, and Christ really did rise from the dead. And, and there was a reason why uh, those disciples who had been so fearful before uh, Christ's resurrection and, and, and they'd seen him crucified and they were so dejected, uh, but it was only because they saw him alive that he had risen from the dead um, that, that they then were um, emboldened to go out and, and share that message and then empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, who fell on them on the day of Pentecost. But if they had not seen uh, the risen Christ, uh, they would not have gone out witnessing uh, and then giving their lives for a, for a lie. It would have been a lie, uh, and they would have known it was a lie, but of course it wasn't. It, it happened. It was true, and that's why they, 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 they gave themselves over to it. You know, uh, it, it's kind of interesting today, son. I mean, as crazy as things are in the world. So, you know, today it just was reported that apparently there were— Oh, I don't know. Maybe, 
maybe 200,000 uh, likes on this uh, TikTok uh, video that this woman did. I guess she's an influencer. And she basically came out uh, in favor of something that uh, Osama bin Laden had written years ago, criticizing America and, and I suppose also, um, you know, talking about just, you know, killing uh, Americans or, or Jews. Um, but anyway, she came out with this. And I guess on TikTok, there were 200,000 people who liked it. And, 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 and you wonder, you know, how in the world uh, do, do you get somebody to, uh, to like that and agree with that? And where I, the reason I bring that story up, Son, is when those terrorists flew into the Twin Towers, um, they didn't die for a lie knowing it was a lie. They only came to know it was a lie after they died, the moment they entered hell. Um, they assumed it was the truth. They believed it was the truth. They were willing to die for the message they were convinced was the truth, but they were wrong. They were dead wrong. And my point is, you don't find people in history who are willing to die for a lie if they know it's a lie. And if anyone would have known that it was a lie, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, if it it had not happened, then the apostles would have known that was a lie. And, and, And there's no jury in the world that if you were to look at that evidence, you would come away and say, well, oh yeah, you know, they, 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 they knew that that had not happened, but for some reason they went out and they preached it. And, uh, even when they were threatened, uh, they continued preaching, even when they started getting, you know, some of them started getting killed. Um, you know, it just doesn't happen that way. So the evidence there is very, very strong for the resurrection. Um, Christianity would never have gotten off the ground. Uh, if, um, if, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, all the Messiah's critics would have had to have done is produce his dead body, and they couldn't do it because he was alive. And um, Christianity was off and running. Um, Jesus has been alive ever since. He's come to live within everyone who's accepted him as Savior. Uh, one day he's going to return to this world uh, to judge the living and the dead. And the Bible says we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you're a believer, uh, you don't have to be afraid of that day. Uh, you don't have to fear Judgment Day because the blood of Jesus Christ is washing away all of your sins. Today, tomorrow, forever. So you have nothing to fear. Um, you know, sometimes some people will say that, well, you know, you Christians are so arrogant. You know, you, you, you're the only ones who say you know you're going to heaven. But, you know, um, actually, it's just the opposite of that. You know, it would be arrogant if we believe that we get to heaven by our works. Then that would be arrogant to say, I know I'm going to heaven, because what I'm essentially saying is, I know I'm good enough to get there. But we're actually saying just the opposite of that, son. What we're saying is, I'm not good enough to get there. Um, The reason I'm going, and the reason I know that I'm going, is it's got nothing to do with my goodness. It's because of what Jesus did for me on Good Friday. You know, as we're about a a week away now from Black Friday, um, that's the world's version of of celebrating uh, something on a Friday, Uh, materialism, money, buying things, you know, getting a deal. Well, um, God offers something a million times uh, better than Black Friday. He offers Good Friday. 
uh, where the promised Messiah suffered and died. Uh, the Lamb of God was slain on a hill called Golgotha outside the city gates of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago so that our Heavenly Father could accept spiritual children into his family and see us as perfect in his sight. That is only possible because Jesus suffered and died uh, on the cross for our sins. He was uh, the, the, the Passover sacrifice, the ultimate Passover sacrifice that had been um, pointed to in the Old Testament. And the entire sacrificial system, all of the sacrificing of the animals and all that went on, that was all pointing to Christ. Because as it says in Hebrews, the blood of goats and bulls cannot take away sin. But, but God accepted that. Um, it, it made the people ceremonially uh, clean, if you will. But, but the only thing that washed away the sins of those in the Old Testament was the blood of Jesus that would be shed you know, later on. Um, just like today, the only thing that cleanses our souls uh, as believers is the blood of Jesus, which was shed 2,000 years ago. So everything is about what happened on the cross. Everything points to that. Um, and, and everything is about how God sees man. You know, we live in a world where people want to say, well, you know, I, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah, but do you, do you seriously think that it's going to matter what you think about yourself on Judgment Day? It never has. It's only how God sees you. It's only what God says about you. God is your judge. Um, you know, even Paul said, hey, I do not judge myself. Um, God is the one uh, that we will stand before. And as believers in Jesus, uh, the Bible says that there's a, a white robe that uh, will be upon us. And it says in Revelation, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? And then it reads, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, so the way to have that, that spotless robe uh, is to trust Christ as Savior, and, and then your sins are washed away, um, and you become as white as snow in God's eyes. And again, it's in God's eyes. Um, you know, he, he, it's not about trying to impress somebody else or convince somebody else. Um, God is the one that, that, that says whether or not a person gets into heaven or not, and, and he's already said, uh, just like Jesus said to the thief on the cross, um, that you're going to get in if you trust Jesus. Um, you know, if you believe in Christ as your Savior, you will, uh, you will get into heaven. And, and that's the key. Um, and that's what uh, people need to think about today. You know, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And that's the promise that, 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 that Christ has made to all who believe in him. We cannot work our way in, but you can believe your way into heaven. And the Bible uses words once you're forgiven of your sins, like saved, redeemed, justified, born again, forgiven, all to describe what happens on the front end of a person's relationship with God. And uh, as Oswald Chambers says, uh, the reason it's so easy to obtain salvation is because it costs God so much. And that's why, um, you know, it's so easy for us to be saved. Now, I didn't say it's easy to live the Christian life. Um, that's not easy, and especially for Christians in countries where Christians are, you know, severely persecuted. But it is easy to become a Christian. You know, you repent and believe the good news. You place your faith in Christ. 
Jesus did all the work. And, and as you pointed out, son, that's why when we go to the Lord's Supper and, and the Lord says, do this in remembrance of me, that's why the focus is on uh, the cross. And, and it's not on what we're doing uh, because we could never save ourselves. In fact, we could do 10,000 good works. And you know how many of our sins that would wash away? Not a single one. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses sin. And that only happens through faith in the Savior. So the message is clear. Um, the good news is um, beyond anything the world can even begin to offer. And, and we're going to keep proclaiming it uh, until the Lord comes back because um, there, there's still time for people uh, to get in, just kind of like the thief on the cross, get in under the bell, you know, get in before your time is up, um, get aboard the ark before the door closes, because when God's wrath is poured out against sin and, 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 and judgment day comes, you are going to want to be aboard that ark. So, um, you know, get aboard today, uh, trust Christ today. And, and your soul will be secure in the Lord uh, today, tomorrow, and forever. Yeah, Dan, reminds me of the, the hymn, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, where it says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. With the chorus then going, Oh, precious is that flow, what makes me white as snow, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so that's what it comes down to is the blood of Jesus washing away our sins so that we can be saved and spend all eternity in heaven with him. Dan, as well. Oh, yeah, Son, thank you for sharing those lyrics. I tell you, that, yeah, that, what a powerful, powerful hymn. Yeah, and um, it's something to remember. And, and sometimes... Just real quick, because it's probably a conversation for another day, but sometimes these hymns, you know, they're very short, very simple, and they just drive home a message that's easy to remember because it's put to lyrics, you know, lyrics put to music, and it's usually scripture-based, and they're they're good to uh, kind of just remember the simple message, like in this case, nothing but the blood of Jesus in Christ alone. Well, and son, to back that up with one more hymn, you know, you, you had that great quote uh, here today in the podcast from Billy Graham. And at the end of every Billy Graham crusade, they would play one of the, the most beautiful and classic hymn, Christian hymns of all time. Um, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. I mean, you're not going to find a more evangelistic hymn than that, a more gospel-focused um, you know, it reminds me of something, Son, that uh, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, um, said, you know, many years ago, uh, he said, morality uh, can keep you out of jail, but only the blood of Jesus uh, can keep you out of hell. And, and what a powerful statement that was. Um, the blood of Jesus, as it cleanses our sin, it washes us clean. And, and the way for that to be applied to your soul is for you to trust Christ as Savior. It's for you to accept the message, for you to believe uh, the good news that Jesus died for you, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So, yes, son, you're exactly right. Some of those old hymns, oh, there's so much uh, power in them. And, and, you know, there's a lot of great contemporary music today, but I'll tell you what, um, you know, you, you could have a, a song with a great melody, but if the lyrics are not solid, 
um, it, it really messes up everything. And, and some of those old hymns um, have got some of the best lyrics that have ever been uh, inspired, um, have ever been written. Dan, we appreciate your time as always, um, your insights, and even for writing the articles. And if you want to, if you're listening and you want to read more of his articles, you can go to the christianpost.com. Just go to that magnifying glass, which represents the search box. Just type in his name, Dan, D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, and all his articles pop up. And again, Dan, we appreciate it, and we look forward to our next conversation. I sure look forward to that as well. Thank you so much, Son. And uh, again, for those of you listening, check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can find the Sanctified Reason logo. Click on that, and all of our past shows pop up. You can click on the shows, and it takes you to the hosting site, which is Podbean. And you can actually subscribe there, too. And so uh, anytime we post a new episode, you get a notification. Um, also, it's a great place to, you know, share if there's somebody that you think should, you know, hear this, because it's, uh, it's about really just getting the message out, not about us. It's not about likes. It's not about downloads. It's about just getting the message out there. But if you feel like someone should uh, hear this or would benefit from it, by all means, please share it. And, again, you can always reach out to the show. Our email address is sanctifiedreasonpodcast at gmail.com. That's sanctifiedreasonpodcast at gmail.com. Send us a message, and we will get back to you. Again, Sanctified Reason Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.